0: You're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. This is the Versus Machine Podcast. A comparison of great things. The Versus Machine takes on two works of art one source material and one adaptation, and processes it through to discover the differences and similarities of the two. Whether those differences are good or bad is up to you. After all, it's what happens when you transform one medium into another. It's time to engage the Versus
1: machine.
2: The machine is on, and it is time again to process two items through it. I'm Richard Gibson.
1: And I'm Jacob Trokey.
2: And this is The Versus Machine, the comparison of great things. The Versus Machine is all about education. We discuss the source material, the adaptation, and what happens when you take something from one medium and turn it into another. Feel free to comment by going to versusmachine.com and clicking on the contact button in the top right corner of the page. Let's Let's begin.
1: begin. Obviously, Tolkien, the father of all fantasy novels pretty much yeah i mean we were talking about jules verne and h.g wells obviously you yeah know. The
2: first basically the first writers of science fiction yeah greatly influenced the genre
1: of course and, and then you got tolkien who you know later on down the road says hey we're gonna make this an epic thing right you know it's <laughs> gonna throw kind of a medieval spin on it mm-hmm. and and say, hey, well, we we got magic, we got dwarves, we got hobbits, we got elves, all
2: right, right, wizards, and yeah, all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean,
1: He's basically started the whole genre himself, much, obviously. Yeah,
2: fantasy is one of the most popular genres of media today. It would likely not be so if not for Tolkien, just what he did for the genres. Really hard to. Calculate When an American thinks of an elf or a dwarf or a halfling or even just a fantasy world in general, what will come into his mind is an idea that is strikingly similar to what Tolkien presented in Middle Earth. Obviously. Direct references are made to his work all the time. World builders still draw idea from ideas from his world. But sometimes they, they don't even realize that they're doing it because Tolkien's version of a dwarf seems almost factual to us now it's yeah. so ingrained in our culture it's just like what's a dwarf well it's this
1: yeah it's that's a- exactly
2: what tolkien said a dwarf was exactly that's that's what he's done for the genre the hobbit was was written some 66 years ago and it's still incredibly popular today
1: yeah obviously they keep making new adaptations of it right and uh, i mean that's what we're about ready to talk about an adaptation of it back in 1977 yep. made by rankin bass their claymation fame, you know? <laughs> All the claymation <laughs> yeah. holiday movies that they have. You know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, uh, Jack Frost. Oh, that stuff he grew up with. Yeah. Actually, a lot of people don't know about the animation side of it. The You know, The Last Unicorn. The Ballad of Smokey the Bear. <laughs> no, didn't know about that one. Yeah. Let's get right into the characters. Of Let's I jump mean. into
2: the media at hand.
1: Yes. Bilbo. In the book, he is the reluctant yet ever-growing hero. In the movie, he is unbelievably lucky.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he he was lucky in the book. They talk about that all the time. Yeah. But but it was also his own skill and the fact that he was growing into this role as a hero. In the book
1: and in the movie, both together, when he's talking to Smog, he talks about how he's the lucky one. Mm Mm-hmm. Lucky number fourteen, right. of the party. Barrel Rider. He had all these new titles that he had, he hadn't had <laughs> yeah. when he faced Smog. Final mean, section. Yes, in the book, I think it rep- it's more represented on how much he grows. Yeah, through all it's, those different things, all the all the titles he gives
2: himself are all these different events that he took part in and succeeded in. Really,
1: I mean, and they're mentioned in the movie, mm-hmm. but you. Really don't get the true soul of that in the movie. Whereas in the book, I mean, it's no. it's it's a longer form of media anyway. Yeah, it's more, yeah, detailed, more some 400 script- pages yeah. almost. Yeah, I know. It was great. I mean,
2: <laughs> he's a much deeper character in the yes, book. Really, very very much deeper. To put
1: it simply, well, in the movie he just kind of. He doesn't really have a whole lot of confidence. He's always mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. I want to just. I wish I was back at home smoking a pipe. <laughs> yeah. And chewing on some venison or something. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah, any number of things. And that's mentioned a hundred times in the book as well, but it, it seems to have a different tone to yeah. it because we're given so much more of his character in the book than yeah. we are in the movie. The movie just kind of glazes over it. Yeah. And it's, especially at the end with the Arkenstone. Yeah. And that event is. Completely absent it takes from wha- the movie, and it takes a, a lot away from Bilbo's character.
1: Yeah, it takes all the confidence and all the courage and yeah, kind of the knowledge that he's gained mm-hmm. throughout the book and in the movie. It just it's gone. Right, just completely it's gone. It, it's his test, his true test mm-hmm. of his true of his character uh, in the book, but in the movie, it's just not there. Right, and I yeah, it's just.
2: It loses a lot. I understand that they had a lot of con- time constraints in yes. the movie, but to add that in wouldn't have really taken that long. Yeah, but and I think to, that they you should. also to
1: think that in animation in general, I mean, two scenes could take anywhere between from a day to two weeks, depending on oh to actually make to, it to actually right, dr- right. draw that's story wise. Not so, it wouldn't take that long mm-hmm. to script it and to voice act it. It could be an afternoon, right to record that but to do the animation and then to go through the stills and all that and change the change the position of characters that's going to take a lot longer
3: Mm
2: -hmm. a lot longer than it would in the runtime of the movie yeah
1: all right yeah all right right. we're we're pretty good 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 yeah gandalf all right in the book he is the wise and worldly mentor in the movie he's an overbearing and heavy-handed taskmaster
2: yeah just rereading the first couple pages of the book gandalf comes by talking to bilbo and he's just he's rather jovial about it bilbo's yeah. basically telling him yeah go away we don't want any of your adventures and he's like yeah. you know i like you i like this place i'm just gonna chill out here for a while that's cool yeah it's i and know in the movie he comes in, in the, with like thunder it? and lightning and yeah, he's all like just, commanding and stuff it's like, and gandalf is me yeah that one line i like that they put it in yeah but it, it was in a totally different context yeah. in the movie and it, it, it just, didn't have the uh, same effect yeah
1: It was the air about it was just, oh my God, I'm a wizard, (laughs) and I'm going to smite you if you do not let me talk to you. Pretty much was how it came off,
2: and you know, I mean, yeah, he's a wizard. They mention that a lot. It's like, okay, he's Gandalf. He's kind of nice, but he's still a wizard. You probably shouldn't mess with him. Yeah. But he never comes off as like he's gonna fly off the handle and, as you said, smite you for no reason.
1: Yeah. And what in the movie that they don't talk about that that is in the book. Is that Gandalf's been around the Shire for mm-hmm. ages? You right. know, knew Bilbo's grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, who, yeah. who who had gone on an adventure herself. Right. And about he knew about Bilbo's like uncle who had d- invented golf.
2: Right. He knew all these various things. He was very familiar with the with Hobbiton. Hobbiton. Yeah. Shire, Hobbiton. Right.
1: yeah. He, I mean, he was talking about Bilbo when he was younger, mm-hmm. and he in the movie again, it's not there.
2: Right. He just kinda lightnings in, hey, we're going, all the dwarves come in and that's yeah. kind of
1: just forced upon Bilbo. And again, that's another that's another thing that I mean, it's an animated movie. It's there's some time constraints. I mm-hmm. mean the movie isn't an, an hour and seventeen, 17 minutes. Yeah. The target audience is younger. Yes. Yeah, the seven eight yeah. Nine we were, years old, you think? Yeah, we were talking about yeah, we were thinking it's seven to ten ish like is that, what I'm yeah. thinking. They left a lot out what seven or ten year old is gonna sit there and gonna watch all this backstory right and how are you gonna animate that I yeah. mean, are you gonna do a flashback or are you gonna do
2: mm-hmm. yeah which is I would presume a little harder for someone of that age to like to keep Grasp. track of these yeah. kinds of flashbacks and whatnot so yeah. it's a lot of information things, to take in yeah most of the things that they did edit or omit entirely given their tar- target audience and time constraints of the runtime of the movie and production time I mean I guess I get it but it, it just is a shame that it, it makes the story suffer as a whole. And it's, it's very true in Gandalf's character, I think. Yeah. It,
1: Gandalf is not in a big role, really, in either story, in either the book or the movie. I mean, he's just kind of the character that just, hey, shows up and, so, and saves the day every More once in a while. More or less. Like, <laughs> with a troll. And at the very end...
2: Mm-hmm. Right he he doesn't in the movie, exactly come along with them on the journey yeah. so much.
1: Yeah, you don't really yeah, you don't really see him tr- the traveling with Gandalf as right. much. I mean, he's just gone. Like <laughs> even when they're in the cave and the you know when the goblins show up, mm-hmm. Gandalf just isn't there. Right. They're like, "Where where where's Gandalf?"
2: Uh, he's gone again. And
1: he's gone again. "Oh, he's a wizard."
2: Yeah. And then they get captured and Gandalf yeah. shows up, which yeah. was a little different. Yeah. You know. I mean, but not the, a big deal really. In the
1: book they're all in the cave mm-hmm. gandalf's Bil- asleep with them yeah exactly and bilbo sees the crack in the wall mm-hmm. come in and he's like oh
2: no run <laughs> and gandalf's the only one who wakes up in time
1: yeah and, and just disappears with them yeah yeah
2: it's a little different but
1: and then he shows up the... then he shows up and saves the day again again
2: that's what he's good at yeah
1: <laughs>
2: thorin in both the book and the movie, he's a greedy, mean, hidebound, and yet respectable leader.
1: Yeah. In the book I kinda got this feeling that he was more of a knowledgeable mm-hmm. source. Yeah. Like I said, more of a leadership quality about right. him. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the movie I thought him more as like a that crotchety old grandfather figure who yes. you know, who has this knowledge it was just a little bit different. I mean, I saw Thorne more younger, you know. I mean, he obviously he's like over a hundred plus years, right? Old somehow ages differently as a dwarf, yeah. I guess. And in the movie, he just seemed just grumpy. Like right. I mean, he's he's that dwarf. He's grumpy. <laughs> right.
2: He he had his quest, but he wasn't exactly able to do it. It seemed in in the movie, and he was more, as you said, crotchety about it. Whereas in the book, he at least had the knowledge for it. Yeah. But he's still trying to traverse half the world and take on a dragon. I mean, you can't really do that on your yeah. own. <laughs> so th- it was understandable why he was a little bit grumpy about it, but he does have all these grandiose speeches, so he at least has that, that leadership quality, even though that most royal... of the time when he talks that way, he's trying to cop out of something. Yeah. Yeah. He still at least has a good show of it.
1: Yeah, That royal quality about him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is like a dwarf king. Yeah, That really shows out in his speeches, and right. I think more so in the in the movie. It, with the royalness, uh, more in the movie. But in the book, I mean, yeah, it's it's more of a not... He's wiser, he's, you know, just not all rash and...
2: Right. Th- there's a reason for him to be so grumpy. He's been kicked yeah. out of his homeland for th- the majority of his life, and he kind of wants to go get it back now.
1: <laughs> and again, in the book, there's obviously more backstory. Right. So you get a more well-rounded version of the character. Yeah, so
2: some some of the same events, some of the same phrases come off differently in the movie because you don't know as much about him in the book you're like okay you can sympathize with his character more so it's easier to see him as that respectable leader in the book since you have more backstory yeah the other dwarves (laughs) the uh, the other dwarves it's not just one the other 12 of them
1: yes in the book they're largely a single character i think philly and killy and maybe dwallen are yeah. like
2: uh, about the only ones that that stand really out.
1: stand out i mean bomber i mean he's 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 the, the fat, one. The fat one yeah right that, not, that's the most that we know about him but he just shows up he's like i'm bomber <laughs> and they you know they yeah, they make that, jokes that, they make a few, they make a about few jokes it. about him and really that's all we hear about him but billy yeah, and Kelly, you know we hear you know they're, they're the young ones yeah they're, they're courageous
2: energetic
1: they're the nephews of thorin right they're Fifty years younger than the rest of the door than yeah. the other of the youngest doors, and it's like in the book you kind of get more of a lively feel from them. Yes, and in the movie you just look at them and you're like, they still look old.
0: <laughs> just
2: yeah, old. They
1: do. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, they have they they're the only ones without without white hair. White hair. Yes. They have blonde, blonde hair, which is really not that much different. <laughs> no, they're they're blonde with. Mm-hmm white lines. It's, yeah, it's a
2: very light, a very white blonde, so it it yeah. doesn't even look a whole lot different. So yeah, they do still appear very old even though they're not supposed to be.
1: But either way,
2: even in the book the way that they're all named, yeah. they're always named in the same order. Cuz they're all like brothers, yeah. several pairs it's of brothers a, and stuff. Dorlin
1: Dwalin, uh Philly Killy, Oin Gloin, Ori, a- Nori Nori,
2: nori Bolin Dwalin, Biffer, Bofur, Biff Bomber or something. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. always named in the same sequence so it's all they really are just one character yeah. in the book with the exception of the few yeah, but which even have, then like, it's not a big sta- deal little standout roles right but not very much and then in the movie they're, they're basically just, irrelevant yeah they're just <laughs> <there>. <laughs> they're, they're not even they're I hardly mean, even again
1: you have bomber going i'm bomber yeah which is you know, kind of funny and then like when they when bomber loses bilbo in, in the, the mountain. in the mountain yeah. and it's like where would he go <laughs> And and that's that's, that's about it. all
2: they do. Other than there's Thorin and then twelve dwarves. Yeah. And they in the movie they could have very easily just not been there because of how well yeah, they do. Yeah, it could have just
1: been Thorin, Bilbo, and Gandalf.
2: Pretty much, and it would have been about the same movie. Yeah. Again, backstory, time constraints. Gollum.
1: Okay. I, this is my favorite character. <laughs> I I, I <laughs> like the crazies apparently. Yeah, I, I I like the crazies. I do, I do. I really <laughs> like the crazies. This is a character that I think that was more effective in the movie than in the book.
2: Okay, why is that?
1: Because you had this very vague description. He's a dark skin and he has a mm-hmm. white underbelly. And his eyes were glowing, big and yeah. round and glowing. And that's really vague. You don't really get a, a, a real sense of how he moves he's supposed to be this really creepy character that's right supposed to be like it's supposed to be the turning point for Bilbo. a little and bit in ways yeah it's where he starts to really you know kind of gain some some confidence, some confidence and right. some courage by facing some something that's probably going to kill him
2: <laughs> and really wants to yeah, yeah to though i mean him. <laughs> he's in the, the as they say the roots of the cave yeah Billboard probably can't really see gollum to describe him very much yeah. anyway so that's that's probably accounts for a large portion of the lack of description because he can't be seen to be described anyway yeah so i I think it's kind of suiting but seeing him in the in the movie does kind of help yeah a lot of the acting in the movie was kind of over the top yeah but it worked with gollum yeah it, it because was, he's insane. It was insane <laughs> I mean it's so it that, works. The,
1: all the all the riddles and hmm I think partially that's the reason why he's one of my favorite characters because he's the riddle. He's the riddler, yeah, you know. Fun. They cut a few of the riddles out for the movie. Again, All time constraints. Time constraints. Yeah. And they made his voice real booming. And then they had at the very end, cannot be seen, <laughs> cannot be heard. Yeah, at the end, the and song, it like that with the, yeah, it was weird. It was like I said, give me more time. I'm like, no. <laughs> and then
2: he freaks out. Yeah. Again, the over the top acting yeah. was,
1: was suiting for his character. Yeah, and it was just, like I said, I think it was better played out in the movie. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was better to see Gollum creeping and right. rowing that boat on that yeah. lake. Yeah, and and
2: rummaging through his house looking for the ring and not being able to find it.
1: Yeah, Being animated, I think that that helped even more so because you could do more things with animation than you could with real life. Right. We were talking about this. Gollum might not have been in the original book. He actually
2: was. It was just a very different character. Actually, apparently with the riddles, him and Bilbo parted on amicable terms. Which is right? He Bilbo just kind of like wanders down there, and for whatever reason, Gollum bets willingly bets the ring in this in the riddle game, and that's how Bilbo's able to get out with the ring being invisible. So they went fully back knowing what it does, actually. Yeah, he still ends up kind of lying to the, his group about it, of course. But you have it's, a ring that for a different you, reason. Yeah, right. You have a
1: ring that can turn you invisible. <laughs> you won from a creature in a cave on a lake. Right. Yeah, kind yeah. of makes sense that
2: he wouldn't tell the full truth. That's about a little.
1: It. That's like I don't even think they would believe him. It'd
2: be a little hard to. Yeah, it's like right. But it, it let him be the burglar that he needed to be, yeah. because everyone just thought he was really good, when it's like, well, actually, the reason the lookout guy didn't see me is because I was invisible. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't his fault. Yeah, so when then when Tolkien wrote The Rest of the Lord of the Rings, he changed that chapter in The Hobbit to more reflect the ring's corrupting nature and, and Gollum being corrupted by it. Yeah. So his insanity was apparently not present in the first Volume and I would like to actually read, read that to see how yeah. it's different.
1: Yeah, I would actually. I Probably like hard to get read that, that
2: too. Though. The audience, did you guys know that? Did you know that Tolkien rewrote the fifth chapter of The Hobbit after he wrote The Lord of the Rings? Hey, that, that that's a pretty. That was a discovery for me. Yeah, I, mean, I, that, I knew that before coming here, but I didn't know that. Yeah, several I didn't know
1: that before coming here. Right.
2: That's that's pretty so. cool. So what what do you guys think about that? Going back and rewriting a chapter of a book. Let us know what you think at versusmachine.com. And uh, click the contact button in the upper right-hand corner. Let us know what you think. This is The Versus Machine. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.
4: Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective, on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs check it all out now by accessing the voice farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box from the voice box voicefarmers.com that's voicefarmers.com looking for a straightforward user interface on a cost effective feature filled multi-track recording software call off the search MixCraft from Acoustica has exactly what you're looking for. It's time to include reliable audio creation and editing software with real punch into your projects. Check out MixCraft now over at Acoustica.com forward slash MixCraft and start a new generation of audio creation and editing today.
0: Sound. It brings us thoughts, memories, and feelings that are often hard to describe. Thankfully, it's never been easier to describe the quality of the products we use to make the Two Guys Talking podcast shows. Heil Sound has supplied us with some outstanding deals that allow us to bring you some of the best quality podcasts that we just simply couldn't provide without the quality items Heil Sound provides for us. Be sure to stop and visit the Heil Sound website at heilsound.com, H-E-I-L-S-O-U-N-D.com, for your recording needs. Whether it's the outstanding performance of their new Finn microphones, or or the stability of their PR2 microphone booms, one thing is sure. You'll also be able to give a clear, concise description of what you get from using Heil Sound products. Satisfaction. Tell them that the Two Guys Talking
3: Podcast Network sent you. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. When you think of magazine, radio, or television ads that people might see or hear once, well, then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with a chance for repeat exposure and replayability, weeks, months, and even years after it was originally inserted in the podcast. So even if your advertising was included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment real impact. Thanks to perpetual advertising. Isn't it time to change up the way you're advertising? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors.
4: Are you a vampire fan? How about werewolves? Then you're probably already watching True Blood on HBO, but are you listening to the review of each episode of True Blood via the Fangbanger podcast? Check out great point-by-point discussion that leaves you with a thirst for more. It's the Fangbanger podcast. Fangbangerpodcast.com. That's Fangbangerpodcast.com.
2: And we're back with the Versus Machine. Today we're comparing the original story of The Hobbit by Tolkien and the 1977 Rankin-Bass animated feature. Style and artistry. There's a whole lot of artistry with the book. You and I, we were Jake, we were talking about the storytelling quality of the book. It, it makes it
1: very enjoyable. Like Yeah, we were talking about like you're sitting down at a campfire. Mm-hmm. Or at a hearth. Yeah. In a castle. When you have a <laughs> minstrel or a bard sitting right. there telling you the story right. of days long ago. Right.
2: I'd love to listen to a real energetic audiobook version of this. I, yes. I, it would just... It'd be so enjoyable.
1: Yeah, maybe Morgan Freeman. Maybe <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Oh, no. no. Maybe we should. Yeah, <laughs> should call right. him about that. Yeah. Seriously. It was... It kind of was a new experience. I read reread the book. Mm-hmm. And with more knowledge... That with storytelling that I have now, from when I read it back in oh high school, right, it was a different experience for me. Yeah, and it was this marvelous fabric and weaving. Yeah, folding out before me. Right. Just-
2: yeah, I mean the the bard, the minstrel. That that is how it feels. It it gives a very enveloping. Consuming nature. It draws you in. It invites you in to Middle Earth. It's not just here's a story. It's like, dude, let me tell you about this cool thing that I heard involving these hobbits and this baker's dozen of dwarves and stuff. It's really cool. Let me tell you about it. And you're like instantly pulled in. Yeah. Before I had read this, I had read several other fantasy novels by other authors, which were a little bit dry and it took a long time to get into the characters. I pick up The Hobbit by Tolkien. Yeah. The second page, I'm already in the world. Like, I, I actually paused and I'm like, wow, I'm more into this world yeah. than I was three books in with this other author. The the skill that Tolkien had with inviting you in, pulling you yeah. in, building this world is incredible. Yeah,
1: it was one of my favorite fantasy novels of all time is The Once in Future King. I'm rereading mm-hmm. it for the sixth time now. <laughs> right, But it's it's long, it's dry, it's very, very detailed. Mm-hmm. It's almost like reading a manual sometimes. Brilliant. Whereas okay. with, with Tolkien... With a hobbit, Especially, it was yeah. it was just this flowing mm-hmm. like storyline that he weaved in all the details, right? And it was just it was smooth.
2: Yeah, it's a very brisk, lively, energetic tale. It might be some three hundred pages in this little yeah. paperback version, but you you breeze through that. It's yeah. it's a very enjoyable, and, and engaging he, read.
1: And uh, we were talking about this the other day. The, mm-hmm. These. These little things that he does that makes it seem like it's a bar. These, four, yes. like these fourth wall breaking statements. Right,
2: Talking about the goblins were probably the ones who invented these devices was, for killing lots of people all at once. Yeah. Or
1: dwar- like, dwarves still hate using matches right. to Right. Yeah. They've day. never taken to it to like, this day. To this day. day. That kind of phrase. It's like, and it's like, wait, to this day? Mm-hmm. And it, it gives
2: it a timeless quality. Yeah. And it's that's just very enjoyable. A lot of the times the narrator will refer to himself. It's like, I don't really know how he did this or how this happened, but this is what the end result was, and
1: and it was good. And that's something that a bard would explain. Yeah, He's like, someone raised their hands like,
2: hey, how did he do that? It's like, (laughs) "Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And that's, again, just a very engaging inviting nature of the book and it it makes it so enjoyable the movie i don't feel the visuals slightly had that feel yeah but nowhere near to the extent that the book does and not even that greatly yeah
1: anyway Well, you have to think about back in 1977 when, right. the, when a lot the, of when it's the, the time it's the 70s mm-hmm. like whoa man <laughs> you know yeah it's it's like i mean it's the 70s i mean yeah they made a show about the 70s right yeah it's after the 60s you know the flower child age you mm-hmm. know Disco had its little run, and bringing back up the Hobbit mm-hmm. as an animated feature towards little kids. I mean, it's a it's a book right. meant for young readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to have an art style that they hadn't seen before, which right. is that's 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 what a lot of people had a problem with. Like critics mm-hmm. had a problem with was it was the unfamiliar that unfamiliar style, right? Rankin
2: Bass had yeah. been doing this sort of thing, yeah, and well, now suddenly it's
1: anime. It's like kind of this weird Japanese animation and this American style animation. I mean, you had mm-hmm. a Japanese American, you know, production team, right. with it, and that's that's why you got that Japanese water block. Paintings, Right. Kind of feel.
4: On some of the scenery. On
1: some yeah. of the scenery. Yeah, the scenery is great. Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's very expansive. It, they really show the size and the depth mm-hmm. of Middle Earth. Right. The
2: scenery is real good, but I don't know about the character design. I mean, uh- had I been watching this... The animated feature. Had I been watching it on TV, when Bilbo turns around from his stove in the first, like, 30 seconds of the movie, I probably would have turned it off at that point after yeah. seeing his face. It didn't work for me yeah. at all.
1: Well, and, you know, what, for <laughs> it me, it's the exact opposite for me. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, I looked around like, huh, <laughs> this is interesting. The, right. The, the, just the detail, though, I you know, when I was a kid, I was very into detail. Right. That was my experience. Like, And I'm like, who, who did this? Rankin best? <gasps> Rudolph. <laughs> right. So that made me want to watch it more, right. you know. But that's that's the way we experienced it. Think about mm. back in back in the day, you know, in 1977, when you just had this completely unfamiliar style of artwork right. it was probably a at hard you. to grasp yeah and then also you had you know the adaptation of the story mm-hmm. a lot of tolkien scholars and movie critics could not get their grasp around it because it was like right. this is different no we don't mm-hmm. like this yeah and it was
2: different and it was more shallow which is what a large part yeah. of it
1: was yeah
2: it's good, though, that you and I are talking about this because I read the book first, yeah, actually three times, before watching this movie, yeah. whereas you saw the movie before reading the yeah, book. Yeah, I saw the movie. So mo- we're coming from a very different I saw the movie
1: here. back when I was like, oh, 10. I had it, I had it mm-hmm. on VHS, you know?
2: <laughs> yep. It's been a while, though. Yeah, it's been a
1: while, yeah. yeah. But I've we have always... a very different perspective yes. on it, and I,
2: th- that's cool that we can talk yeah. about that because for me, the art style, it didn't work because I had read the book. But for you, it did.
1: Yeah, I thought it was... Because you hadn't yet. I thought it was very interesting just because right. the detail of the hands, a lot of the cartoons that I had seen, mm-hmm. and a lot of the animation I had seen weren't that detailed, and the scenery and the backgrounds were just amazing. Right. And that's what really grabbed mm-hmm. me. And I think that it, you know, it's a 50-50 shot there. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it, or... <laughs> I was talking to someone else about this, and he said it completely stunk. He said the, read. the movie completely stunk, mm-hmm. and you know that's another viewpoint. Well, had he
2: read the, the story? Yes, before? he had read the book. I think that has a lot to do with it because you were telling me that this animated feature was meant to be like an after-school special to get young kids to read *The Hobbit*. Yeah. Well, mean, it seems like it seems like it actually worked in that. There's tons of people that say I had never read the book, I see saw the movie, and then I really wanted to read the book, and they did, and now they're like lifelong yeah, Tolkien fans. Yeah. And then, But then having read it and watched it, it just doesn't work at all. So it's surprising to me for not having the same warmth of the original story, for not having the same depth or the same quality, that it actually worked in getting people to want to read Tolkien and becoming lifelong fans of his. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to me because I come from the other end of the spectrum of it, having read the story first. It's just surprising to me that it works. I'm glad that yeah. it does. Well, I, mean, I don't know how it does, but, it, I mean, but it, it does.
1: My personal experience was like, you know, like I said, I see, saw the movie first. And, and like my dad's said, like, yeah, that's based off of a book. And I'm like, what? That's based off of a book. <laughs> right. I didn't know books could be this great, you know? And, it, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started reading more, you know, when I was a kid. And that was. That's something that you want in, like, an animation that's based off of a book. If someone right. hasn't seen it, has, hasn't read the book before, they see the movie, and then they, want to, they want to go read the, read the yeah. book.
2: No, it's excellent that it worked. The mission it had, it succeeded.
1: The voice acting. I know you, you had mentioned it. you know, the voices are over the top. Yes. And, yes, they are very over the top. I mean, with Gandalf and, you know... Gollum and everybody. Gollum, oh, Bilbo, Thorin. Yelling. I mean, most of the dwarves are actually voiced by the Rankin bass production team oh yeah their voices appear in other things such as the kringles and santa claus is coming to town a lot of them are <laughs> that's a funny transition i know it ties into their other movies <laughs> and you know they're also appearing like other some of their other animated features and they had a small group to work with and right. i think that that's c- cool uh, yeah they but, made I mean use of it got, very like, well i mean but you have these incredible voice actors you know like orson bean and john houston Mm-hmm. And then you have Theodore, just Theodore for Garland. Yeah, that was yeah.
2: kind of weird, <laughs> just said yeah. Theodore.
1: His voice has appeared in other things, and it's just very enveloping. Because like with stage, mm-hmm. you have to be over the top.
2: Yeah, you have to be very dramatic in because a play. Right.
1: you're far away from the audience, mm-hmm. and you know. But it what? seems they
2: carried that over into this
1: feature. Yeah. The songs. The book is full of songs. There's, yeah, there's 14 songs for the yeah, 14, 14. Yeah, you travelers. counted.
2: You counted them, and that's I didn't think to count them. But there's so many. I know. I know some people don't really like reading them because it's just. Yeah, it, it seems kind of weird.
1: And there's no music with it. Yeah, and you just can't get the right rhythm down. Right, and it's like the movie. It has them playing, and you had Glenn Yarbrough do the theme, the main theme mm-hmm. for it, which which was an original you know, song. The, yeah, it's no, the original song. It's not the in the book. I mean, Glenn Yarbrough is a big time folk singer at the time, so he reorganized part of the songs to help get them very good for the movie. Yeah,
2: it it is very nice to hear the songs. I thought a lot of them... Kind of sounded the same, but nevertheless, the fact that they were in the feature at all was very, very good. Yeah. The uh, more recent Peter Jackson one, they kind of glazed over that a bit.
1: Yeah. They just they had of, the
2: first song, and yeah. that was pretty long,
1: but they didn't have any of the
2: others, and yeah. I thought something was lost in that. So I did enjoy that. Yeah. There may not have been much I enjoyed of the animated feature, but there was the songs, and I did enjoy that.
1: When I think of that medieval fantasy world, I think mm-hmm. of you know the minstrels travel oh, yeah. with the heroes and right that was hear their entertainment. Songs. Yeah. I mean they
2: had a they were singing all the time. Time. Travel songs, yeah. songs during
1: dinner, yeah, I mean, songs
2: just for a show. That's what they were doing. Yeah. So it makes sense that there would be so many in the book because it's kind of supposed to be set in that sort of time.
1: I think it's interesting that there's 14 songs and 14 travelers in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, as were in you know the movie, obviously most of the songs had to be just ripped out.
2: Or they'd have it during like the travel time scene transitions, but they were still present. The events. The book... Has a great amount of long, deep events.
1: Yeah. The movie's much smaller amount of quick, rapid, shallow events. They skip over and they make light of a lot of things. Right.
2: Trying to fit this into an hour and 17 minutes is not an easy thing to do.
1: So they they had no choice. Look at the Peter Jackson movies. I mean, they're making three. three hour long... Three movies. Uh
2: So it's going to be like 10 hours of film to cover this one book and a little bit of The Silmarillion, but still mostly just The Hobbit. That's one movie per 100 pages. Whereas this was going, the animated features going through all 300 pages in an hour and 17 minutes. That's like 30 minutes
1: per 100 pages. It's it's just a big difference. That's not even 30 minutes per 100 pages. Uh, And then you have to think about credits. Oh my God.
2: (laughs) All these other things. Yeah, I mean, the book, it might have events that aren't 100% necessary to the plot yeah. like one of the ones they cut out in the movie uh, Bjorn
1: the yep. shapeshifter yeah, who's really
2: cool it was a really nice yeah, scene, I mean, but it's not exactly necessary for the plot so yeah. i do see why they cut it
1: yeah i under, i understand why they cut bjorn and mm-hmm. me personally this is one thing that i think the i think the movie got wrong that's my but that's my opinion mm-hmm. bjorn is the one who in the book ends the 5 the Army battle war. of five armies. right that's a big thing that's i mean he becomes important yeah he becomes a bear, giant, a giant bear, and then like he, stuff up, tear yeah, yeah, stuff he up, and then he gets it. angry, even more angry, and he becomes bigger. Right. Also, see for, from that perspective that you know they wouldn't want an overpowering character to overshadow Bilbo or Gandalf or right Thorn or anything, and they were also
2: diminishing the whole war aspect entirely, yeah. so they didn't once somebody who was actually, like, okay. awesome at warfare would kind of defeat their point a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand why they did it, but the way that Tolkien wrote it, it really needed all these extra events because it helped build Middle-earth. It helped draw you in. It's like, look at all these cool people, all these interesting characters. We have all these different races that can do all these different things. We have this powerful wizard who even he says, don't mess with Bjorn because I don't want to get on his bad side Yeah, either. exactly. So it's just, there's like, it seems like there's always a greater power just... The depth
1: that those things add to the world, yeah,
2: is very valuable. And uh, the movie had to glaze
1: over it, yeah, for numerous time constraints. Like I said, another thing they cut out: the Enchanted River. Mm -hmm. We were talking; we called it the Dark River earlier, but it's actually called the Enchanted River. The Enchanted River, all of Merkwood is kind of a blur. Mm -hmm. It's just the darkness. I mean, Bomber falls into the river. He's out for like days. Right. And he found the it was like, where am I? I don't remember getting here. And, right. you know, like the elven feasts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And there's another thing that was cut out that was that we thought was really, we talked about earlier mm-hmm. with Bilbo, the Arkenstone. It was a plot device that I thought was essential to the storyline. Mm-hmm. And in the fact that it did show that Bilbo was being more confident and was going over Thorin's head a little bit.
2: Right. Themes. One of the big things, Gandalf picks Bilbo to be the burglar. All the dwarves show up and they're like, "Yeah, this this dude is a joke. What are you yeah. What are you trying to pull on us? Bringing this guy along?" Gandalf says, "I've picked him. That should be enough. Yeah, that's
1: that's it. I mean, that's final. I've done it. That's it." I mean, I understand where the dwarves are coming from. All right, I, I mean, he's he just like his homebody. He, who he's faints a, yeah, he's a home. Easily. He's a, he's a guy who who prefers to sit at home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no work. Right. Maybe right leisurely in in his time. Maybe. In his time. He's you know, just is... going
2: to go have a second breakfast.
1: Yeah, instead. exactly.
2: And and they, want, they wonder how this guy can be useful. One of the big themes of the story is to not judge a person's potential by their present or past state. Exactly. They think Bilbo's nothing. Well, it turns out he can actually do more than the dwarves thought. More than Gandalf um, thought and more, and than, more he, than he thought, which is a big thing. You know, don't judge someone by their past. Don't judge yourself by your past either. Yeah. You can do much more than you're capable of if being put in this, you know, life or death situation. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's I rem- like I'm going to get rem- eaten by a spider. I can stab it. I I rem- I rem- I'm going to stab it.
1: I remember from both the book and in the movie, mm-hmm. there is a point where he's walking down that little hallway and he's like, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done, Bilbo. Oh, when he's about
2: to, when he's about talk to face Smog. Smog, yes,
1: and that's—I uh-huh. mean, big dragon, right?
2: Yeah, it's like here's the real battle. Are you going to go on, or are you going to run away? Yeah, and he's it's like, like and he, yeah, I have to go on, yeah. and he does, and it ends up working out for him. You know, he ends up being braver than even he would have thought. He ends up going a little too far, taunting a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> genius. <laughs> but but still, he grew even more than he would have thought.
1: Greed will kill you.
2: It is a blunt way of putting yeah, it's it. but very It's very, very true. Put, but it, it, it happened. Is. You know, to greed. Thorin.
1: Greed begets bad things. I should say right. is mm-hmm. more better way to put it. I think. You know, if you're greedy and you want too much, you are going to get more than you asked for. <laughs> right. It's not the way you wanted it. Exactly. Uh, greed killed both
2: Thorin and Smog. Actually. Yeah. You know, had he just been like, Yeah, you can take that cup and get out of here, I don't really care. But yeah. no, he got all pissed off about it and started destroying towns and stuff. And in the
1: book it was more Thorne was more interested in the Stone. Yes, which, that was
2: that was the, the
1: crown jewel. Yeah. I mean it was the heart of the mountain. Yes. He was searching for that, he said he gave up his his fourteenth know, share, his 14th for, this share one thing. for that one little gem. Mm. I mean that's yeah. a big thing. I it mean, is a big thing. And, and it and also shows, and I think that in the book, the Arkenstone represents greed, like that that lust for treasure. Yeah. It's like in The Lord of the Rings, it's like mm-hmm. the ring. It enslaves the mind of whoever has it.
2: Yes. Yeah, everyone was falling under the Arkenstone sway. Like Bilbo, Bilbo did- he saw it, he's like, that's got to be that. Yeah, I'm gonna take it anyway, yeah. even though he had, knew it was a horrible idea, and he had no idea what he was gonna do with yeah. it. And but then he eventually just, you know, he just gave it up, like it was not a problem. Well, it was hard for him to do so. He's like, eh, "Here you go, you can have yeah. it." Okay. Then
1: it was a problem a little was,
2: bit. Bard and the Elven King, nobody wanted to give it up. Yeah, you know,
1: and especially not Thorin. And I, I think it was the fact that Thorin got the Arkenstone in the end. I mean, they put in it the end, in his yeah. grave. Uh-huh. I mean, the Elven King. Being not as greedy as everybody thought. I mean, mm-hmm. he was portrayed as a greedy person. It when, looks when like they, it, yeah. Uh, he was like, You dwarves are going back to the mountain. You're going to get that treasure. I want it.
2: Right. I, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's more reasonable at it, about it. He says, You know, I'm not going to start a war over gold alone. Yeah. You know, if it's about more than that, yeah, maybe, but
1: not going to do it just for money. He's, he's, he's wiser than that. And Bard? I think Bard. Was just kind of that like I'm here, I want it, but it's okay, right? He just
2: wanted to rebuild his town, yeah. that
1: had just been destroyed like four days ago. That, yeah.
2: That's a very reasonable
1: thing. Whereas, yeah. and he Smog wanted to recapture his. I mean, he's the descendant of the king of Dale. Mm-hmm. He wanted to rebuild, you know, Dale at the foot of the mountain.
2: Yeah, his his father's kingdom. He wanted to rebuild that. Just yeah, kind of mm-hmm. just like Thorin did.
1: Yeah, he went he went a better route about it. Mm-hmm. Even even talking. And I mean, this is obviously most of this backstory we're talking about is not in the movie. No,
2: <laughs> the theme is still slightly there, yeah, just not as strongly. But another theme that's present in both the book and the movie is to not be afraid of change, or to put it a more common term, you know, break out of your comfort zone. Yes, as we were saying before, don't judge. Your potential by your past. Well, you can't do that unless you do break out okay. of your comfort zone. Bilbo could have never known what he was capable of yeah. had he just sat in his but little I mean, hobbit hole the whole time. Yeah,
1: you have to give Bilbo this. I mean, Gandalf kind of forced his hand, hand a little, bit. He's, he little just bit. he just like said, "Oh, I want you to go on a grand adventure." He's like, "I don't want to go," and then like, "Well, here's a bunch of dwarves to convince you." <laughs>
2: I'm right. just gonna kind of bring you along. Hey, Bilbo, you're late, and he's like, "Oh God, I'm late," and runs off and. And he's like, oh great, what have I gotten myself into? So yeah, he did kind of force his hand a bit. But s- sometimes you have to do that to someone. Yeah, To get them to grow, you do kind of have to literally break them out. Sometimes, you know, hammer chisel, break them out of it, their comfort zone, to get them to go anywhere. You know, that's true in our lives as much as it is in Bilbo's. Yeah.
1: Race and character, is there a link? Some people could take it mm-hmm. as Tolkien being a racist certain races acted different like the Goblins were yes. like murderers and thieves and that's all that they do and that's all that they do the, right. they do. the trolls are just stupid <laughs> i think that someone can make an argument for that but i don't want to make an argument about that i think right. it's, i don't it's i don't think there is a link in in, the, in this case i think that we just need to say it's a book it's fantasy mm-hmm. there really is no link i mean look at Thorne. he was greedy but in the end he ended up being a pretty decent guy i mean right. granted he granted his greed killed him in the mm-hmm. end
2: and he repented
1: on his deathbed,
2: but he still did. Yeah. Some people don't yeah. repent on their deathbed, but he but he did. So that does say something for his character. That's another
1: thing about the, about the movie. They mention what he said at the gate, uh-huh. but that scene, it's in the book, but right. it never happens in the movie.
2: In the movie, he just calls him, a, Thorin calls Bilbo a coward, and that's yeah. really about it. It says, you'll never understand war. I guess it was kind of a big deal in their world. Uh-huh. To say such things. It wasn't as powerful of a scene as it was in the book. Thorne's like, I'm going to throw you off of this wall because I'm just so mad at you. Yeah. That's that's something you can when he finds out that
1: he, When he finds out that Bilbo's given the Arkenstone. Yes, he's to...
2: absolutely livid, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's kind of an argument within the book itself against the whole racism, racism thing, thing. Because we have two humans who are acting very differently. Yeah. You know, we see the potential for that within the dwarves. We only see one hobbit, we only see one wizard yeah. and one dragon. The, the elves change yeah. a little bit, the elven king is all mad. About the dwarves getting out, and then he later does forgive them, and yeah. is very again we it's amicable going back, towards them. It's
1: going back to the change thing. It all, mm-hmm. It's all intertwined, and right. I I think that's partially what makes the book so enduring, enduring and enticing mm-hmm. yeah. for a reader.
2: You don't really think there's a link between? There's not a no. case for racism in here. No, there's not a case yeah. for racism. I I, I I don't really think. I mean, either, even
1: we even find out that the master ends up leaving because all those followers left him. You know. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. So so neither but, of us really think there's a link. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Do you think within the story of the Hobbit. There is a a case for racism. Let us know what you think. Go to versusmachine.com dot com. Click that contact button in the upper right hand corner and tell us what you think. The big issue about the movie is the movie actually good or is it just enjoyed for its nostalgic quality? Uh, I'm pitching this more to you because you're the one who saw you know, the book or saw the see, movie first. Whereas I just I've, don't care for with it. With
1: this, I've done a lot of research. I've I've read the book before, mm-hmm. before doing this, and I had to reread the book to talk about it. Yeah. I've done a lot of research. I've gone onto forums and stuff like that. I waded through a lot of nerd talk. <laughs> I normally love nerd talk. Mm-hmm. It's like you just like it because it's nostalgic, and it's something that you watched when you were a kid. Right. I'm a fanboy in certain senses. <laughs> I mean, I thought the movie was decent. I had to wade through my nostalgia mm-hmm. to really get to the heart of it. I think the movie is a decent movie. I mean, let's reference to Rotten Tomatoes. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 67 percentile ranking.
2: Which is not really that good. Which is not
1: really that good, but guess what? The movie that Peter Jackson put out has a 65 <laughs> percent.
2: Which is saying a lot. And I, I mean, and
1: then Rankin-Bass' sequel, The Return of the King, mm-hmm. has a 67 percentile too.
2: Yeah, they have been pretty well received. There's Peter, Jack- no Peter Jackson.
1: Peter Jackson's you know movie. It's just is new.
2: Yeah, that also plays into those ratings. Yeah, but like I was saying before, the movie set out to entice those who had not read the story yeah. to read it, and it succeeded in that. So yeah, I you, think, you can't really argue with success. You know, yeah, it,
1: I mean, it's a hit or miss. I think that yeah, a lot of people got enticed because of it. Mm-hmm. People who've read the book first, you know, they just they think, oh, it's. It's trash, yeah. and I take a step back. I say take a step back, and you know, really just look at take the movie a look at for it its own sake. for for its own yeah for its own sake.
2: The book is long. There's there's really no way around that. But as we've said, it's a very warm, inviting, a very a brisk read, an enjoyable adventure. It might be filled with events that are not a hundred percent necessary for the plot, uh, but it's charming and written in a way that envelops the reader in its world. The events may have not been pertinent to the plot, but they were important in building Middle-earth and drawing us into it. Yeah, and that's, it. that's
1: part of just writing in general. Mm-hmm. It's something that you have to get in, involved in because you're right. reading this, you don't have a visual image like you would with the movie. Right.
2: So there is there is a lot more you have to do. I think Tolkien showed us that if you're going to write fantasy, if you're going to gonna take people into a world that doesn't exist, that they haven't actually been to, you need to show them what it's like. They need to be able to feel it see it, they need to be able to sense it as much as possible within this black ink on a white page. Without all of that world building, Middle Earth as a whole, especially not The Hobbit, it wouldn't have been as enduring as it is.
1: I mean, the anime movie, the adaptation is loose i mean i remember you texting me saying oh my god this is i i said well it, it it's not it's not and i said well it's not really big on the epic scale yes and he's like it's not really big on the anything scale yeah that was pretty much that conversation after yeah having just watched it i mean that's your first first impression first impression of it i think with certain adaptations with any adaptation really mm-hmm. sometimes you got to take it it's, on its own merits yeah, yeah. on its own merits i mean you have to think about the circumstances granted that's a lot of thinking Right, and that's part of what we do. And and most people don't want to really think about it. You know, they just like "Uh, I don't care. I just want it to be entertaining. Oh, it's not like the book. Boo! Well, it's that that is how a lot of people view
2: these kinds of things.
1: Which is why we're here. Yeah, exactly. To to show that there is value in both. The book obviously is worth a read. Oh yeah, he's read it three times. Mm -hmm. I've I've read it twice, and I'm probably going to read again. Uh, And I think the movie, if you have, like, a young child, you know, whether it be a nephew, daughter, son, the child likes it and wants to know more, point them towards the book. Yep. And it'll open up their world into a whole new realm. Yeah. All right. that, That wraps it up. We've processed these two
2: items through our versus machine, and I think we're ready to wind things up yep remember you can visit us online at versusmachine.com. and you can contact us there's a contact button in the upper right hand corner of the page you can tell us what you thought about this any points you disagreed with us agreed with us yes anything you thought we missed were yeah. horribly wrong about any number of things just just tell us what you think
1: or talk you can visit us there or on facebook on facebook we're at facebook.com slash versus machine yep
2: yeah you can find us there talk to us there if, that's your preference whichever
1: we're cool with whatever i know social media is a big thing nowadays right we'll take whatever yeah i'm richard gibson and i'm
2: jacob Trokey. and this is the versus machine
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the versus machine podcast on the two guys talking podcast network Be sure to like us on Facebook and share your thoughts on this and other episodes inside our online archive of programs that span a wide variety of genres. It's all about comparison, and we want to know what you think. The links to do all of this and show notes for this episode are available at VersusMachinePodcast.com. That's versus Thank you for listening and provide us with your thoughts and contrasting opinions to keep the gears of the versus machine running power down.